Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. When was a time that you were in a rush, you were in a hurry, you were doing something like even really important or frivolous, and there was some interruption that happened that kind of in the moment seemed like, man, this is getting in the way of like the big picture of what I'm, of my goal of my task. Yeah. But in retrospect, you go, oh, that, okay, that was that was really cool. And I don't. This is not. This is not like a big one for me. But so yesterday, uh, we were going to go to the zoo to keep Indigo awake, or like to not to keep her awake, to wear her out, mm-hmm. uh, and just really get her like a good nap when we were done. But it was just like, a, it was so funny how long it took us to get out the door. Usually we're relatively good at like getting all the supplies ready. But like she woke up at like 1030 and we weren't out the door until like 1130, which that's really bad for us. Usually, usually it's like a 30 minute thing, but it was already, it was, it was bad. So we had packed like, you know, I had packed everybody like a small lunch and we had her like she eats only peaches. And so we had these little peaches for her, um, you know, her baby food. And then we got in the car and there was miscommunication. We got there. We found out, oh, like Hannah Hannah thought I was getting the food and then I thought, so we didn't get that and we're frustrated. Okay. Let me double check that. No, neither of us put it in the car. And then there was an issue with the stroller and then we're like, Oh no, like we didn't dress her right. So then we have to like put new clothes on her. But then now she's like, there's like more skin. So we have to put more sunscreen on her, which she hates. So it's just like torturing her. And so we're like, okay, this is just the stupidest thing ever. We should turn around. And eventually we walk up to the zoo. We see Kay, Kay Rucker, uh, a mutual friend. And it was, it was kind of cool. Because apparently, since Hannah gave birth, like um, Kay was like a really good friend of my wife Hannah's, and they like used to get together all the time. But since they had a baby, it's been something I'm kind of putting off. Um, but it was it was cool to see her with her grandkids, uh, and it like really kind of emboldened Hannah. It was like, oh yeah, I really do. Like maybe that was a sign from God that like, hey, you you need to really you know not reignite that relationship, but really invest in that relationship mm-hmm. more. Um, and it's funny because it, it, we would not have seen her if if this whole confluence of annoying events hadn't happened right yeah yeah so there's a i don't know why this popped in my head so strong and in the grand scheme like is this even a big deal because i have terry rush one time said there is no detour in the plan of god it's it's a detour to your plans but it's not god's plans like he knew it was coming and this kind of thing and so uh which kind of started to normalize this dynamic but so this is kind of small but it just sticks out to me so we had i i was part of a singing group it's like i don't know 20 years ago and uh, maybe more, thirty years ago, and um, and it was a it was a mixed race group, and it was really cool. And man, our sound was fantastic. I mean, just the quality of singers. I've never sang with that many quality singers. And we performed at at a Memorial. There's they had a workshop in Tulsa, and so we were coming in from out of state, you know, and and we performed. And man, it was outstanding. I mean, it was just really good. And we were by professionals. Like, we were all amateurs. None of us did this for a living. But we were like sandwiched between two professional acapella groups. Uh, and uh, it just felt awesome. Because, I mean, you could sense the electricity in the room. And mostly, it, was, it wasn't me. I'm not bragging on me. It was the other the people. There were two ladies that were just phenomenal in that group. Anyway, so we get done. 
and we're hurried. Like as soon as we get done, like we don't even stay for the next group who I love because we had to get over to someplace else. And so we, we, I, and I'm the one moving people. I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And Heather and I, my, my wife and I were dating at the, uh, we liked each other at the time, dating at the time. It depends on who you ask. For Heather, we were dating. For me, we liked each other. Anyway, I, uh, so. Well, if I ask you now, what would you say? No, I'm just uh, uh, is Heather listening? <laughs> we were dating in a committed relationship. Anyway, um, but we're running out and I'm the one pushing everybody. And a little kid, probably five, six years old said, he comes after me. And he said something about, that was awesome. And I don't know, I think he asked for an autograph, you know, which was so surreal. I'm like, you know, and I tell myself it's because I'm the only one he could find in the group. And basically I stopped and I mean, he just was my whole world in that minute. You know what I mean? I just made a decision. I've been that kid around people that I looked up to who treated me like nothing. And so I just made that decision to stop knowing that everybody's like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And so because from there, they didn't know. They were already out in the car waiting on me now, and I've been the one pushing people. And what happened was, so he he left, and who knows, you know, where he went. But Heather observed it, and that's one of those things when we were early dating. She goes, that's what I love about you. <laughs> and I was like, so worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so anyway, I'm not suggesting that was the secret to us getting married and our lifelong happiness. But I, I, I just always think about that as that is so detour and against my nature because I'm so impatient. And it's just a sweet memory. Mm, that's beautiful. So today we're going to be talking about an interruption, and this is actually going to be a two-part uh, conversation for this week and next week. But we're in Luke chapter 8, uh, beginning in verse 40, and we're going to cover, uh, is that what we said? Starting at 40. 40 yeah. Yeah. yeah, we'll go 40 through 48. So we'll introduce one story, which we won't get to till next week, uh, but today we're going to focus on the interruption in the story. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about twelve, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her daughter, Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So what amazes you about that? Yeah, so what what amazes me... I mean, there's so much about this story and and the story that we'll talk about next week, uh, the interwoven story that we'll talk about next week that uh, are incredible to me. But I think about, I know a lot of people with like chronic illness and I know a lot of people with uh, medical issues that they have dealt with for a long time. And when those medical issues begin to creep up for them, there's this like, there's really a lot of rallying around these people usually if they're in good community but even in the best of community they're like if it keeps going on longer and longer and and, you know this becomes just this this disability this hindrance this um this issue that this person is just going to have there tends to just be this kind of fading away of of care or comfort uh not even on purpose not certainly not on purpose from anybody but it's just like as it goes on as the pain just you know keeps happening it's just like well this is just the reality now and there's no urgency and in fact for for hannah and i with some of her medical issues like 
it's one of those constant things that we really we really struggle with because sometimes I mean it's just the reality of the situation that we're that we're living in. But then other times it's like there's this urgency um, that Hannah will feel, and then sometimes I'll feel it with her. But when that urgency isn't met, there's this deep deep pain. Mm-hmm. Um, when for her uh, in her specific issues, when they really they really flare up, there's this. Um, when when her when it when it really begins to to cause her pain and cause her distress when her level of urgency is not but my my level of urgency or her doctor's level of urgency or whatever it may be man there's there's deep deep pain and for this woman um it, it is so incredible to me that one that jesus isn't rushed but two uh you know jesus that 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 for jesus this is a um it is basically this Jesus could have looked at this woman as a well you've been suffering for a long time I'll be back I got to go take care of this bigger more urgent issue right. and the fact that Jesus te- Jesus treats long-term pain uh, as seriously as as short-term pain and short-term emergency um that Jesus tor- that Jesus treats long-term emergency as you know which is a, I know it's a funny use of that word but he treats that just as seriously and just as much uh, with just as much love and care um as an as a as a deeply urgent situation in the moment man that is uh man that's so hopeful for me that is so uh man that that picture that that paints of of our savior uh is is so beautiful to me that is really uh exceptional to me i i, I had never thought about it this way but if if you're the doctor and you're amazing and my loved one is dying like right now and you stop and deal with the person that has long-term chronic pain, I will be, I will feel justified to be any way I want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? I will feel so like this is great injustice happening. And I just, and to see uh, Jairus standing there, mm-hmm. like as this crowd is crushing everybody, it's crushing Jairus too. So he's already panicked. And then Jesus steps in and certainly Peter responds what everybody was thinking, which happens often. I think when Peter speaks is like, are you out of your mind? That, that's another thing. I would love to go to interview the, the apostles and read the Bible with them and then ask them, what were you thinking right now? And I think a lot of times it'd be like, I thought he lost his mind <laughs> because it's like, who touched me? Mm-hmm. It's like, I know you're the rabbi. If I'm Peter, I know you're the rabbi. I believe you're the son of God. You're also really dumb. Like, that is mm-hmm. so stupid, you know? Yeah, and he starts speaking on this whole new thing. Like, you know, some my power has gone out for me. It's like, like, geez, I like I gave you like a hug, you know, the other day, or like we, you know, brushed hands. It was like, wh- like this whole, this is a whole new thing that you haven't prepared us for. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. And that, I think we don't appreciate the fact, and what we said this in our, in the history of our podcast, we, I feel we said it many times is we carry this illusion that if we we're right next to Jesus, everything would smooth out and we would just know. And, and, despite the evidence, they don't know. And he's always presenting things, a tiny insight without the full understanding. Mm. Like, I'm not even convinced, like early in the chapter, you have the parable of the sower. I'm not even convinced that even after he explained it, they're like, oh, I got it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think they know. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I don't see a lot of evidence of them like pushing themselves to be fertile soil at times, mm. you know? So I'm like, did they catch it? Well, and even th- after the fact, the, the example of the, of the parable of the sower, like I've heard Many, many people preach on this and talk about, okay, well, then this mean, this obviously means, because of Jesus' explanation, that we need to do ministry and reach out to people in this way. And then you'll hear the next guy be like, well, okay, this obviously means because the explanation, because Jesus was so clear that we have to do ministry and outreach this way. And so it's like even – it's so silly that like – that we would think that because – because we have the – like because of – because we're farther away that – like it, it's just so funny to me that like 
there's there's confusion in the moment there's not clarity and then time causes even more like it causes not more but a different kind of um of disturbance in, in the in the vision in the picture of what jesus wants to communicate uh and it's so funny because i imagine there would be an interplay if we were reading the bible with you know the disciples that they'd be like man it would be so easy if i could look at the history of the church and and, and judge things off of what jesus said off you know these geniuses that have helped interpret it yes and it'd just be this back and forth of man okay if, if i had been in your position you know if i've been in 2021 20, tulsa oklahoma then oh, it'd just be so easy to understand what he meant by the parable of the sower and what he meant by his explanation but right. back then you have no idea how hard that was if only i'd known I, I think yeah. they would just keep saying, "If only I'd known." Dot dot dot. Yeah, I, I think that's that's just tr- truly, yeah, all, all of that. Like even now, I'm like, "What was the one amazing thing?" Because now I have four from what mm-hmm. you said, and you know that kind of dynamic. The, the thing that jumps out to me, and I, I never really noticed, and they mention it on purpose because they're they're needing to make this point about who touched me be like kind of remarkable. But the the word they use is crushing in on him, you know, and I think. How much does this show up? You know, um, there in verse 42, the crowds almost crushed him. So now I've got a very different picture. I had seen it somewhat orderly in my mind, like his interactions. I knew there was crowds, Mm. but this idea of crushing in, and of course, the only reason they're saying this in this story is to make the point he knew when somebody touched him in in a special faith, I have this want way, you know, I mean, that's the point. But so it's like, are they crushing him all the time? And that's a very different picture, especially with our sense that church should be orderly. You know, there's that passage where the first grand, you know, decent and in order is, I think, the way the King James translated it. And we take that to be everything's organized, everything has a place. And I'm like, most of Jesus' ministry was crushing. <laughs> most of Jesus' ministry, we would think of as chaos. And, and I've said this before, but if you go on a Sunday morning and you go through how much trouble it is to go see a, you know, go be part of, a, you know, a worship service and the preacher gets up and talks for two minutes, you have no idea what he meant. He seems completely unconcerned that you don't understand what he meant. I don't think you're going back to that church, you know, and yet we, we just assume that Jesus was this master church planter based on all the trending we see and here's how it's effective. And, and I'm not anti any of that. But the way Jesus did ministry, it's just like it is so opposite of most of what we're trained to do in, in a ministry school. And it's so opposite about like all the time I'm like, I don't think Jesus would, do, would be doing like 80% of what I do. And that doesn't make 80% of what I do ungodly, but it, but it is one of those dynamics. It's like, man, if Jesus was right here and said, all right, here's, here's, the, here's, your, here's your, you know, action report. He's like, you're wasting your time with this, 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 this. And then I feel like, but if I give up on this, 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 nobody will show up at my church anymore. You know, and and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying it, it, there is a perplexing piece there, but mostly it's just that amazing dynamic of, at, at the root of it is, if I were to truly see with my own eyes how Jesus' ministry went, I would be shocked of how much different it is than my ministry or anybody who knows sure. ministry goes. Well, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, like, man, I want to be like Jesus. I want to minister. I want to be like a minister like Jesus. I want to be a disciple like Jesus. And part of the consequences of that was like you had interactions like this where people were crushing around you. That would be hell on earth for me. Like yeah. you think, like think about the times that you've seen a famous person or an, like a, a celebrity or an athlete be like crushed in upon by fans. Right. I even there was, I think there was a video one time where like 
LeBron security like had like kind of failed him and he was like you know fans were just like all up and around him and like somebody took his headband off like as he was like entering in the tunnel and it's almost it's, it's almost like a very similar reaction where he like you know because he's like six eight like pops out like who did that who like who, who's got that right, uh, and yeah. and I've never seen uh, and this is maybe this is another miracle in this story I have never seen somebody when they have been crushed like you know pressed in upon uh, whether it be almost I mean they're all famous people somebody who's been pressed in upon um, either they keep their head down and they let the security deal with it. They keep their head down, and just kind of keep moving forward, or they lash out angrily because that, like, this is not—it's not cool. It's not—it's 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 rude. Yeah, it's unsafe. Do, it's not scared. safe. It's yeah. rude. You're yeah. scared. And the fact that Jesus—I mean, he does come off as like that—that that voice, that like that tone that you can almost hear here makes a lot of sense when you think about those interactions you've seen in modern day times. But the fact that Jesus is so relatively calm and he's so, um, yeah, that he's so—he's so not like. He that his um that he's not ready to jump down somebody's throat like when you're in such a high pressure situation and there's like physical um, people like pushing and shoving you uh man my like I'm not a very like angry person in general I'm not, it takes a lot to like really get me to like overload but I know if you're in that situation man like it's just it is something that can be um like you it can like you can turn up the heat to boil very very quickly and it's such a nasty situation um, and so I love the fact that you see like okay, there's some commonality there. Like you see that you can almost hear that voice when you've heard like a celebrity, like, you know, who did that or who, you know, what what's going on here. But also the fact that Jesus does re- remain so relatively calm and he does, um, he doesn't allow it to be a situation that, you know, becomes riotous or, or whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because fear within itself isn't sin. Giving into fear or allowing fear to define your life is sin. Mm-hmm. because that's lack of faith. Experiencing fear, that's the temptation, that's the choice to say, okay, now what am I going to do with this? It's like all sin. Me recognizing I'm being tempted isn't the sin. It's it's what do I do with it? And I think that's what's so amazing about Jesus. I think we need to acknowledge he probably felt that now, the the woman, the issue with the woman is one thing, and then the issue with being crushed is the other thing. Yeah. And again, I don't get the sense, once I, once I hear this here, I'm like, how is that not what happened, feeding a 5,000? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And honestly... We only have a couple of times, but when the when the apostles do try to provide security for him, like the kids, <laughs> sure. you know what I mean? He's like, stop it. So it's like, oh, I guess he's, you know what I mean? it's Honestly, it's amazing he's not more harassed, but there's something about him that that can absorb that, you know? Because imagine if he one time screams at the crowd, get back. All of a sudden, you have a whole new tenor to his interactions, you know what I mean, and and that usually exacerbates the situation. It doesn't calm it. Sure, it well, actually it, makes builds more anxiety. And the fact that he doesn't do that, like the fact that he, like I, I love that picture because if you had a savior that when he's like, pre- like when he's pressed in upon, when he's nearly crushed, was like, okay, like get away from me, like it's you know, like that would just paint such a different, like that wouldn't be in the character of Jesus, even if it wasn't out of fear, if it was just like, okay, I I need my space now, like that would yeah. that this like, isn't safe, yeah, this isn't <laughs> this safe, is like that would just be so. Like that seems like such an odd. Like if you try to put those like words into Jesus, like that just is so alien almost. Right, man. That I love. I love this line that we're going upon. What I wonder here's here's a question for you. What I so this is so this question is is kind of tilted by this when we're recording right now. There was a crazy week of sports of like college football that happened this past week, and a lot of fans rushed a lot of fields. Uh, and I I remember reading a story where you know like somebody rushed the field and some like college kids got in the face of you know of a player and it caused all this hostility um but i I wonder here what um 
Like it, 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 it's so fast. Like what, what is it about the energy of Jesus and, or the energy of this moment that causes this? Like, because like you said, this isn't happening all the time. So what is it about this moment that is causing so much, um, exhilaration? Is it the fact that it's a well-respected guy that he's going to help out? Like, do they care about this daughter? Um, or my, my big question here is like, is there something that's going on in the story that's causing this reaction? Yeah, the, the one factor in context that I I notice is in verse forty, it says a crowd welcomed them for they were, welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Most of the time when he shows up at a place, he's talking to one individual, another individual, and then it will gain some traction. But he's been here before, and if you track back in the text, my belief is my my memory says he left this place, he went over. He ran into the guy. It's a funny thing. He he goes all the way over. He calms the storm. He gets there, sees the guy, casts the demons into the pigs, gets back in the boat. It's like the only reason he went over there was to see this guy possessed, you know, by legion. Comes back, and this is the scene when he gets back on shore. So it's it's like a return visit. It's like if you show up and you're, you know, doing a concert or something, and there's a there's a crowd there, but man, you're awesome. And then it's like, um, then it's like, hey, I'll be back next week. You know, and then you show up next week and the crowd is twice as big because of the word of mouth, you know, th- that that's kind of this thing. You know, that that's the feel I have is there is this. It is interesting, you know, b- because Jairus, you know, comes there right away. The woman knows he's going to be there like there's this prep. You know, what I mean, I don't get the sense the woman is, you know, it's interesting. I, I remember one time somebody acting this out and the woman is trying to get to Jesus with all this energy. You know what I mean? And so, and what's interesting is when I hadn't even thought about this till right now, when she comes up, she touched the edge of his cloak and the edge of a cloak would be at the bottom. Like you'd have no edge on the sides. So is she on her knees? Like if she has a problem with bleeding all the time, anybody with a problem with internal bleeding is going to be energy deprived. You know what I mean? So it's almost since she knows he's coming and it's taking a lot of energy and I'm reading into it, but the fact she touches the hem the hem is going to be on the bottom. So she's at his feet, you know, and I, I don't know, which would magnify that fact, she, how Jesus doesn't know who touched him. He's pressed in. This one, of course, then you're like, how is she not getting trampled? So there's a lot of unanswered dynamic here. But yeah, and that actually leads to what perplexes me is, is that dynamic of this idea of power leaving him, power staying with him. You know, it says in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself of equality with God. And so he's not carrying this power except as the Spirit gives it to him. And so that is, I don't know if this is even remotely answerable, but that idea of having power given to him that he's not carrying all the time is the sense because he's emptied himself of it, and then it goes out of him, and that feeling, you know what I mean? The, the other thing is, at times he seems to be able to almost read minds and read hearts, and it's like, why didn't he know? Like, it's weird that the Son of God doesn't know, you know what I mean? Like, like he's now... And maybe it's just it's it's like when he tells the woman the fear the Syrophoenician woman hey you know it's not right to give the dogs the food and yeah. he's kind of testing her to let her faith really you know shine and uh, maybe that's what this is like he knows but he's asking for her sake what I wonder like or is he asking it for the people around them's sake so like this woman who's like you know been bleeding who's like probably seen as unclean as as she's probably an outcast of her society right. and is like as, it's not even like. Um, Jesus like pointing and being like you you are you know you are now saved you are now healed and go forth and don't send no you know don't send no more send no more send no more send no more but the, uh, is there is there power and is there is there beauty in the idea that like this woman who is clearly desperate maybe she's done this for teachers in the past maybe she's been desperate enough to do this before where maybe she's an outcast at this point but where Jesus says like 
like, hey, I'm giving you honor in the fact that you were so desperate, that your faith was so um, was so compelling that you that you lowered yourself. You, you maybe in some people's eyes debased yourself. Um, and so I, I wonder, is that like Jesus, if he just like points her out, like it's just kind of like this. Well, whatever. But but because he honors the fact that like, no, this woman was desperate for me and believed so much like, you know, like I'm going to draw attention to that fact. I think that is that's a tremendous observation because he's also reinstating her. This is a small community. All these communities, you know, it's not like a metropolis. These people know each other, so probably everybody knew she was that woman with that disease that made her unclean, and that that's a whole. When we know somebody sick in our culture, especially today, we like have some level of sympathy or pity on them. Mm-hmm. That was perceived as there must be something wrong with you, mm-hmm. like characterologically, your 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 morality, something's off in you, you know, mm-hmm. because because you remember when they see the blind guy and the apostles ask. Who, who sinned that, that he's blind? Is it his parents or him? Mm-hmm. So you know that's the similar line of thinking here. Who sinned that this woman is bleeding? You know, mm-hmm. something's wrong with her. So you're right. She could have gone healed, but she wouldn't have gone in peace. Yeah. And, and I, think you, I, I think it's tremendous observation this idea, not just for her, but for all of these people that have marginalized her. Mm-hmm. Hey, the, the, the big-time teacher, the guy that's about to raise somebody from the dead. Oh, spoiler, sorry, we haven't read that yet. But, <laughs> but the guy that's going to raise somebody from the dead he, you were standing, you know, yeah. if, if she was on their knees before, now she's standing and he honored you. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's, man, he spoke to you directly, you know? Yeah. I, yeah he spoke to you directly. And he so says, um, so not only that, but so this, this big, this big guy who can raise people from the dead, like some of his power is now like, you know, like some of his power is like gone into her, into, into her healing. Right. So like, is she even like, you know, in some of these, lines, like, is she even more clean in this weird way? Um, but I, I think I'm almost celebrity. Yeah. Almost like it's like, then is she getting crushed mm-hmm. in a pot? No, just, uh, <laughs> but, but I think about that, that, that beauty of, so this woman, ha- because as you says, because of your faith, your faith, it says specifically your faith has healed you. Um, and so her faith manifests in itself, her faith manifests itself in the decision to chase after Jesus um, in whatever way possible to just to get a, a, a glimpse, just to get a touch of him. And, and so like he's communicating to them and I think to us that um, her faith, like her faith, the evidence of her faith was the, was the, was the extent of what she was willing to go to get to Jesus. Um, and so when you think about like, okay, so this really popular guy comes and asks Jesus like, that's, you know, that's that's definitely an act of faith that he believes. Um, but also he's honoring this idea of like, hey, you know, a synagogue leader coming and asking like and asking in, in genuine faith and belief that you can heal, heal a person that that's big. But it's also just as much of an act of faith to come on your knees begging um, because you're you're desperate. Yeah, I think I, I that's a whole picture I hadn't um, I hadn't considered is the dynamic. What happens next for her? Mm-hmm. You know, small community, everybody knows. And like, if we're in a place, so you mentioned LeBron James, whether you like LeBron James or not, if LeBron James, especially if you're in like some kind of school situation, if I'm in high school and LeBron James comes to the school and LeBron James says, hey, I'm singling you out, like you're a son to me because mm-hmm. Jesus' daughter. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm much more popular than I used to be. Or it's like you're playing on a basketball team. LeBron James comes and goes, man, that Jason Thornton, like I like the way he hoops. Like then you're like, like that's that's going in your like resume for the rest of your life. That's right. Like LeBron James said, he he once he once spoke in my direction, knowing who I was. Yes. And so in in this realm, I I like this analogy. It's very silly. But in this in this realm, so like LeBron James's realm is basketball. You know whether he's the greatest or the second greatest. uh, Like pretty much everyone agrees he's top two basketball player of all time. You can substitute Michael Jordan in. But if in this in this realm of basketball. He comes in and validates you and says, man, you made a big choice. You made a big decision. You you are really talented in this area. Then like your credentials going forward in that realm uh, are so much more magnified there. They give you presence. They give you um, authority. They give you comfort later on when you like you haven't seen Jesus in a long time. You go, man, was that real? Like it gives you so much social um, cachet and it gives you this memory that you'll have with you for a lifetime. And Jesus goes in this, you know, his area of everything and specifically spirituality um, and he goes like, hey, this leader of the synagogue, he's a great guy. He's faithful. Also, another pillar of your community, like somebody who also has a really going on in terms of their spirituality and faith, this woman who you thought was unclean. And I, I had never noticed that, but the contrast between the two and the raise, the raising up of this woman, not – not to lower the the, the synagogue right. leader. Yeah. He doesn't lower the synagogue leader. He raises the woman up to, to that level and goes, man, both these people, they, they got faith. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, one thing on my mind now is every once in a while, not every once in a while, quite, quite frankly, I'm like, man, I can't wait to get to heaven, you know, and there'll be these different reasons. And clearly, the presence of God is going to be the main consuming dynamic. But I'm like, I, I want to talk to this lady. Like, I am really excited. I'm like, what is the rest of the story? How did life go after this? And and I'm not suggesting it was all roses, you know, but but it is, yeah, it's that dynamic that's fascinating to me. So, so what catches your attention in addition to all of this, you know, that's perplexing? Yeah, so what's perplexing to me, uh, so th- this in, thir- in 47, uh, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Um, and so this woman is, is this woman's been healed. She's a social outcast, or she's certainly on the lower rung of society. And she 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 wants this healing from Jesus, but she doesn't want the attention. She doesn't want to be seen in front of her friends or her family or, or her community, better put, that she is like, I'm trying to I'm trying to get into this woman's mind here uh, of like, why is she why does she not want to be noticed? Like, why does she want to like not be a part of like to not be seen as a part of this procession or not be singled out by Jesus? And I wonder, like, here, here's and this gets to a very perplexing thing that we've talked about before. Like, this seems like a very beaten down woman, like somebody who has been um, abused in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. Like, there's almost like it, it senses like it reads almost like a fear of like retribution, like man, we had this teacher come and you like you touched him, you like you sullied him, you you did like that's almost and maybe I could be reading a little bit too much into it, but there does seem to be some like classic example evident classic examples that this woman has suffered um, abuse by her community. That I mean, is that what do you think about? That? I don't think you're reaching there. I, I think number one, women were property. And number two, you don't get the sense she has a husband. That's kind of she may, but she don't get the sense there. And the fact that she sought help, sought help, sought help. It, it, this culture was so much, if you're different, you're out. And so I can't imagine, and this is unclean. I mean, if you go back to Leviticus and it talks about women's bleeding in general, just their, you know, their cycle, that's unclean. So how much more if a person is bleeding, 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 you know, so I just can't imagine she's not marginalized. For sure. Okay. I, I appreciate that. So like there's this, this deep, deep issue and Jesus does address it a little bit, but this woman clearly has woundedness and she clearly, and this gets to the point I want to talk to her in heaven. Like, what is it like for this woman who has suffered these things, who has been, um, has just been probably ridiculed and abused um, and is so clearly affected by it? 
um, to then suddenly be healed and then be put in this new, I'm not saying like they then raise her up to be village leader or whatever, but be put in this new, like Jesus, like give her this new, um, you know, thing to put on her spiritual resume. I just think about there's so much that is going on in this woman's life. She's clearly, she clearly needs so much help and Jesus gives her a lot of help, but then he also like leaves. And I'm also like, man, like, does like this more power like how are these dynamics at play like i want i want to see jesus like sit down and be like okay now that you're healed physically and you and you clearly have the deeper faith like faith in me like let's like let's work on how we um like how like hey you're a daughter like you're my daughter like and so like you don't have to tremble you don't and so he does a little bit but i want to see that full picture if that makes sense i i think and man that plays into if you've ever cared about somebody I, i had a call yesterday from a lady super super intentional and she's interacting with a guy that's in this terrible marriage, but he's just condemned himself, you know, completely and just hearts going out. And that dynamic of, I get it, she feels responsible because she knows. And this, and one of the things I always remind myself is Jesus did not have a Messiah complex, you know, that where I do, I'm like, oh, I know this, I got to help this person. I got to make everything right for this person. And Jesus was constantly walking away. And I, I say that to myself to guard my sanity, because if not, I feel like I'm failing people literally every second. I mean, I feel like I'm failing my church all the time, you know, because I'm like, well, but there could be more. And, and what if I, I mean, literally I've told Heather, I'm like, if I could just have that person move in with us and we just work on stuff day and night, you know, and I did that six months with a different individual for the rest of our lives. First of all, it'd ruin our marriage. I, but second of all, I would be the Messiah there and I would quickly stop trusting God. If, if I had any success, I would subconsciously just rule God out and I would look how good I'm doing. And, but on the other hand, it's really troubling. Like it, it's starkest in places I've left, but in Ecuador, I think I mentioned this before, there were several people I studied with the whole time I was there for two years. I leave, I contact them back. Of course, this is pre-social media and everything. Nobody's seen them. And man, that makes me sad when I think about it. I poured in hours and hours and hours, you know, and I'm like, but Jesus poured in minutes and that was enough. And that is that is staggering. And here's the thing, the people that have impacted me the most for faith, you know, like you're honestly one of the exceptions, you, my wife, a few other people, but most of the people that impacted my faith, I had short periods of time with, you know, like they did not come in and meet all my needs. I mean, they gave me just very relatively little compared to the span of my life. And that was God. You know what I mean? Now, I've got a blessing with you that's a huge blessing that we've had this sustained relationship. Because I, before I came to Tulsa, I never lived anywhere longer than just a couple of years, you know? So it's it's that dynamic that is, that is such a blessing. But to free yourself of this is my response. My responsibility is just love the person in the moment I have. But man, our humanist makes that so hard. And I want it too. I'm like, that's unfair because you're right. It could cut both ways. On one hand, they could say, man, you're celebrity. But on the other, it could be like Zacchaeus where it's like, why Why do you single you out? You're not worth that much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, good for you. You're healed, but you're still that. These people yeah. aren't quick to change. Let's just say that. Sure. So that's, that's a good counterbalance. And there's going to be complexities no matter what. No matter right. what happens, there's going to be deep, deep complexities. And, and yet, for Jesus, he's completely okay with it. And it's this weird thing that Jesus is so often like... He, he he's so often he goes he's always super narrow in like in his individual interaction with people he's not like you know okay woman who's been bleeding for 12 years okay let me tell you how my plan to save save humanity and save the world and ultimately redeem it and then, yeah like that's that's not that's he addresses real pains in the moment he's very he's very focused on the person in front of him but at the same time it's all leading up to this culminating event of saving all of humanity um and rescuing us from from sin and death and i i just i i like 
there are th- like in this this gets into one of those things like it, it makes me angry but yet i see it this is where the piece of meditate meditate on 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 you know on the law day and night of okay like jesus doesn't offer a solution jesus doesn't offer a blueprint for um for like when to dive in and when to take a step back when to allow just hey i'm 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 get, like i've given i've been given this word i'm giving it to you i'm taking a step back or man i really need to invest heavily in this specific way the fact that we don't get that from jesus we don't get like you know a detailed how to guide it just means okay then i need to be i just need to be in the story of jesus and meditating on it day and night and eventually or, or over the not eventually over the course of time god will begin to shape and form me into this we, it, it shaped me and formed me in this way. I don't know what way it's going to shape or form me, but if I'm reading these stories of Jesus, like like the reason it's important for me to be in these stories all the time is eventually these things that I can't put words into, I can't define, or I can't um, come up with a plan for. Eventually, if I'm if I'm in the stories of Jesus, I'll be becoming more and more like Jesus, um, and that will help me in these interactions. Which that is not helpful be, helpful in the short term because that's a very that's a 30, 40 year process. That's not a, um, that's not a, how do I help the person who's hurting, you know, in my church tomorrow? Cause I'm sitting down for coffee with them. That's a spiritual formation process over the next 30 years of my life. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. I mean, and that it, real quick, and that yeah. will help some, the person I'm sitting down with tomorrow. And it will help the person I'm sitting down with coffee for 30 years from now, but it's not going to be so definitive. It's not going to be a cut and dry thing. Uh, and our brains specifically me, I love easy cut and dry. Like here's the exact evidence and, 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 Let's go. Let's go. Right. And and what I was, yeah. This sorry to uh, interrupt you. Oh no no no. Not on the contrary. I I just think this 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 is that dynamic that man. Jesus is all about God is about relationship and we're about rules. We want to know how to do it right. It, you know, either we're pushing back against doing it right or we want to know how to do it right. It's kind of our humanness. And God's like, there is a way to do it right, but it it has to be about relationship or it falls apart. And most of us were trained the opposite. You got to get the rules first, then you can have a relationship. You know, and uh, but. And it's that that dynamic that is such a strain in us is that when I'm sitting with someone, I'm talking, I don't care what your role is, not you just, Connor, but everybody that, that happens to be listening to this, I don't care what your role is. If you ever find yourself in a space where you're offering help to someone, you want you want to settle their problem, help them to find resolution. It, it, part of it's because you care about them. Part of it's because you want to be successful. You know, it's just we're, it's kind of part of who we are. God wants you to help them trust God more. And sometimes, man, this cuts deep in me. Sometimes me giving a person the answer, even if it's a good answer, it doesn't help them trust in God at all. It may help them trust in me. And that is a challenging dynamic, you know, because what that means is there are times I need to definitively not have the answers for their good. And I don't want to pretend like I don't have the answers when I think I have the answers. So again, there's a whole nother level of perplexion. Sure. But it but it is it yeah, it's that, just the dynamic. That gets into the idea of just what I was talking about. How do you know when that is? It's you're right. immersing yourself in the story and going, Okay, I don't know. God I, I'm in constant communication with you. You're gonna to have to do something with this because this is what I can offer, and I think this is where you're leading me. This is where I think it's going, but I'm I'm giving it up to you because in in my mind this could be a complete failure. It could work and hey. I'm, you're you're good. This is this is your thing. And ultimately, for me, the 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 really beautiful and frustrating part is like when I find that place, I'm like, oh, that's where God is. When I go, like, I don't know what to do with this. I mean, like, I'm, I I don't know what to do. Then it's like, oh yeah, that that's where God shows up. That's where God that's where God wants me. And the spirit becomes not like I don't know what to do. It's like I don't know what to do. Let's let's see what God does. And it's just that funny turn, um, that turn in our brain that is just so hard, but yet so important. And it's so funny because. We, for me, I always arrive on the angry side, 
and God's just like, hey, just come over to the other side. Like you're mm-hmm. already you're already here. Just just take the step to the other <laughs> side, and right. you, you've got it. I love how easy that is. I hate how resistant I am to it. So, but good, man. I, I'll tell you, I, I love I love this conversation uh, because I'm telling you, n- none of this was on my mind when we read the passage, and I just I just love what God did in this whatever time period we've taken. So me grateful. too. Well, now I have to decide if I tell you that it was not good. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was, yeah, exactly. It was, You're like, we're going to do it again. It was a good conversation. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't record any of that. No, it was a good conversation. Excited to talk about the next part of this. You know, don't don't read ahead. That'd be, that'd be terrible. Don't spoil <laughs> yourself. Uh, just skip it if it's in your daily reading plan. Uh, but yeah, we pray it blesses you. We pray uh, it stirs something up inside of you that you think of things, that God leads you to think of things that, man, we didn't even see and that that reveals more things about him and helps you love yourself, love others, love God more, grace, peace, and love.